Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engage podcast. Hosted by Bunny Pounds, this podcast is created as part of our ministry to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation and elected officials regularly, to vote in every election to impact our culture, and to help us engage our hearts in some form of civic education and involvement for the well-being of our nation. Please share this podcast and our ministry with your family and friends by asking them to take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. They can take the pledge on our website at christiansengaged.org. We can all change America one heart at a time. We are here to serve you and empower you to be a leader in your community. I think the highlight for me of the entire conference, and there were so many things that happened at our 2022 Wake Up Conference in September, but one of the highlight for me personally was when Dr. Robert Jeffers, the senior pastor of First Baptist uh, Dallas, you know, with, gosh, 15,000, 20,000 members, sat down to me and next to me on the front row and said, Bunny, you're one of my newest heroes in the faith. I mean, that was an incredibly humbling moment, and he he repeated it on the pulpit um, in his stirring message that really was the message that kind of pulled everything together from the conference. We had messages like mine where we I talked about the, the gospel is preeminent, and you have to go listen to that. And I, I was dealing with all the trollers that troll us, that we shouldn't be mobilizing Christian voters because we should be preaching the gospel No, we have to preach the gospel. And I share in that message how we're constantly preaching the gospel in everything we do. But we also have to protect liberty for the sake of the gospel. We have to make sure America stays strong so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth. And Dr. Jeffers brought an incredible message about how we are salt and light and how we carry the gospel. And it is not one or the other. It is both. And I'm so thankful for his obedience and him hearing from the Lord even on what he was supposed to share at the Wake Up Conference. It was an incredible message. Um, Be blessed as you listen to Robert Jeffers, and I'll connect with you on the back end. Thank you so much. You know, it's not often somebody gets to spend a Saturday afternoon with two of their heroes, but that's true for me. Rafael Cruz, who has been in our church many times along with his son and has taken a bold stand and consistent stand for truth, and then my friend Bunny Pounds, who I'll be talking about later, but she embodies everything that I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes, and aren't you glad I said few minutes? In April of 1961, legendary football coach Vince Lombardi stood before the first day of training camp at the Green Bay Packers, and on that first day of training camp, he began by holding up a pigskin and saying, gentlemen, this is a football. You know, sometimes we need to go back to the basics, don't we? And that's certainly true in the day we're living in right now. 
Every American who has any concern at all for their country is concerned about the direction we're headed. We're living in a darkening and decaying country. And Christians are genuinely confused about what they ought to be doing in response to this darkness and this decadent culture in which we live. Should we be organizing 24-hour prayer vigils? Should we be registering people to vote? Should we stand on the corner and hand out gospel tracts? Or should we just sit on our blessed assurances and wait for the second coming? What is it we're supposed to be doing? Well, Jesus answered that question clearly in a passage of scripture we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 5, because this is Jesus' original, this is a football speech. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And in these short 18 minutes of preaching, that's how long it takes to read the Sermon on the Mount, just 18 minutes, Jesus covers a variety of topics. In fact, I have a new book coming out Tuesday that's titled 18 Minutes with Jesus, straight talk from the Savior about the things that matter most. Jesus talked about straight talk about your money, about your prayer life, about your eternal destiny, but he also had a word about how we're to conduct ourselves in a darkening and decaying culture. And listen to what he said in Matthew 5, 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus used two images to instruct us on what our role in the culture as Christians should be. First of all, he uses this image of salt. You know, in Jesus' day, the Romans said there's nothing better than sun and salt. It was a valuable commodity. In fact, it was so valuable that the Roman soldiers many times received their salary in salt. The Latin word for salt, S-A-L, is where we get our word salary from. That's how valuable salt was in Jesus' culture. What was it used for? Well, sometimes people used it uh, to uh, create thirst in their animals, in their livestock. In a hot Palestinian sun, it was important to keep your animals hydrated, so they would give them salt to create thirst. Today, 2,000 years later, we do the same things. We keep our animals properly hydrated. We call them football players. But we do it with salt tablets, don't we? We give them salt tablets to make sure they take in plenty of water. But the primary use of salt in Jesus' day was as a preservative. In the days before refrigeration, salt was used, now get this, not to prevent the decay of meat, but to delay the decay of meat to give the meat a little longer shelf life before it had to be thrown out. There was nothing you could do to stop the decay of meat, but you could delay it. And Jesus was saying, the reason I am leaving you here as my representatives is to be salt, to be a preservative, to push back against evil, to slow it down a little bit so that it doesn't prematurely cause the world to collapse. You know, this idea of Christians being a restrainer of evil is found in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 6 and 7. Paul is talking about the final world leader, the Antichrist, 
And he says, and you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. Right now the Antichrist and his evil are being restrained. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Who is it that is right now restraining the Antichrist? It's the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the Holy Spirit of God in individual Christians. It is Christians who are the restrainer of evil right now. And one day at the rapture of the church, when the Lord descends and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the Lord. When Christians are removed and the Holy Spirit is removed effectively, the last seven years of this world's history will be a demonstration of what happens when no longer the Holy Spirit is restraining evil. We're going to see that. But right now, don't miss the point, we are to be restrainers of evil. Let me illustrate it this way. Just imagine there's a giant dam that holds back millions and millions of gallons of water. And there's a little village below that dam. And one day the townspeople begin to notice that that dam is starting to spring leaks and the bricks are beginning to crumble. And a group of townspeople go up to that dam and they push back as hard as they can against that giant dam. And they know that ultimately their work is futile. They know that ultimately the dam's going to crumble and collapse and that that flood of water is going to drown the villagers below. Why then do they engage in pushing back? Because they want to give the people below a little longer to find a place of safety before the flood of evil comes. Now that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We are to push back against the tide of evil that's getting ready to be unleashed upon this world to give people a little longer to trust in Christ as Savior. That's the Christian's motivation for getting involved in culture. Now I know there may be some theologians or would-be theologians out here, and they may be saying, wait a minute, delay God's judgment? Don't you believe, Pastor, in the sovereignty of God? Raphael, we were talking about that. Don't you believe in the sovereignty of God? Don't you believe that God has written on his calendar in indelible ink the day of this world's destruction and there's not one thing you can do to change the providential will of God? Don't you believe that? Yes, I believe that until I read my Bible. And when I turn back to the Old Testament book of Jonah, I find a story about a God who said, I'm going to destroy the wicked city of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. But because of the righteous actions of a reluctant prophet named Jonah, who preached, some of the people of Nineveh turned to faith in God. And Jonah 3.10 says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God relented of his decision. He repented. He turned from his decision. Now, how is it that an omniscient, omnipotent God, who is sovereign and he is sovereign, how can he change his mind about anything? I don't understand that. He's explaining something in human terms that I can't begin to understand. But what I do know is this. God delayed the destruction of Nineveh because of the actions of a righteous man. Now, what's interesting is, we know from secular history, in 612 B.C., God did destroy the city of Nineveh. 
The city was ultimately destroyed, but God delayed his destruction to give people longer to repent. And that's exactly what is happening right now. In 2 Peter 3, verses 9 and 10, Peter has said, The Lord's not slow about his coming, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but should, all should come to repentance. Why hasn't Christ come back yet? Why has he delayed his return? To give people a chance to repent. And one of the reasons we are here as God's people is to push back against evil. How do we do that? We do it by standing up in our place of work when an ungodly policy is put forth. We do it when we tell our children in school to speak up respectfully but forcefully when a teacher or professor shares an ungodly thought. And we tell it and we push back against evil when we go into a voting booth and vote for righteousness. We have seen just in the last few weeks the result of godly people voting. I mean, if it were not for evangelical Christians and Catholics who came together in 2016 and realized they weren't voting for a Sunday school teacher, but they were voting for a president, a president who said he would put three pro-life justices on the Supreme Court and with the help of people like Ted Cruz got them confirmed on the Supreme Court, if it were not for those elected officials, Roe v. Wade would be the law of the land today and it would be safe from destruction. But because godly people said, we're not going to put up with the slaughter of the unborn, we made a difference. Listen, don't, don't think that voting doesn't make a difference. Our leaders determine the policies we follow. And the policies we follow determine the spiritual and moral direction of our country. And yet too many Christians don't understand that. They think when you see a decaying culture, you ought to isolate yourself from the culture lest you become dirty. Let me tell you something. Salt in a salt shaker doesn't do any good. A lot of Christians are sitting there in their churches, their holy salt shakers, instead of getting out of the shakers and penetrating the meat. You've got to penetrate the culture if you're going to push back against evil. What is it that happens when Christians don't get engaged in the culture? We only have to look back 83 years to see what happened in Nazi Germany, to see the end result of indifference. You know what happened. Adolf Hitler rose to power mainly because German Christians remained quiet. Now, there were some outliers. Our friend Eric McTaxis wrote the foundational work on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But the reason we write the book on Bonhoeffer is he was the exception to the rule. Many German Christians excuse their indifference by saying, well, we're not going to get involved in politics. That's not our job as the church. Or we believe in the sovereignty of God. We're just going to leave it up to God. And the result of that indifference was six million Jews were burned in the crematoriums. My friend Erin Lutzer recounts a testimony from a Christian who lived in Germany and lived through the Holocaust. This is what she said. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it because what could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle in the distance and then the wheels coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. 
we realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we would hear the cries of the Jews en route to the death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing at the top of our lungs. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it anymore. But I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. God forgive me. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians, yet did nothing to intervene. Now, what I'm about to say to you is not the official position of this church. It is not the official position of Christians Engaged. IRS, are you listening to this? This is my opinion. This is my belief. I believe we are living under the most ungodly administration in the history of the United States of America, <laughs> bar none. When Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi talk about worshiping God, how important their faith is, how important God is. They're not talking about the God of the Bible. They're talking about the God of their own imagination. They're talking about a false God. The God of the Bible does not sanction the murder of the unborn. Some of you here in Dallas may have heard me last night on Chris Crock's show. Chris asked me what I think about Gavin Newsom who has put up billboards now around the country, pro-abortion billboards, quoting the words of Jesus, love thy neighbor as thyself, using that as a justification for killing the unborn. Chris Crock asked me what I thought about that, and I said, Chris, there are people who have burned in hell for a lot less than what Gavin Newsom is doing right now. He is blaspheming the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we want to talk about Jesus' words, try these. Choke on these words from Jesus. He said it would be better for somebody to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown into a sea than to hurt a little child. Gavin Newsom is an abomination to the Christian faith. And so are these pro-abortion leftists that are trying to cram an ungodly agenda down our throats. Let me tell you something. We cannot be silent any longer. It is time for God's people to stand up, to speak out, and to push back against evil. If we don't do it, who is going to do it? Now that's not Robert Jeffers talking. That is Jesus Christ. You are the salt of the earth. But he also used another metaphor. He said, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. Now, not everybody's going to applaud this, but I don't care. I'm leaving here in about 15 minutes. <laughs> we who are Christians, our God-given mandate is not to save America. That is not the mission statement for Christians. We have not been called to save America. 
We've been called to save Americans from the coming judgment of God by introducing them to faith in Jesus Christ. That is the mission of God's people. We're just pushing back against evil so that we can have time to share the gospel. If you want to change America, the only way to ultimately change America is to change the hearts of Americans. And only Jesus Christ can do that. You know, I was asked uh, last week, on uh, Fox News at Night, what I thought about this poll that had coming out, come out by Pew Research, predicting that by 2045, Amer uh, Christianity would be a minority religion in America. I think that's right. I think the trends are leading that way. But I don't lose sleep over that, not as a Christian. Ladies and gentlemen, Christianity doesn't need America to survive. Christianity is going to survive. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Christianity doesn't need America to survive, but America needs Christianity to survive. It does. And the reason is, it is only Christianity that can change a person's heart. We are light. That is our responsibility to share the hope, the light of Jesus Christ. People say, well, pastor, you don't understand. The culture is just too dark. People aren't interested in the gospel any longer. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. He used that metaphor of light. He said, in the midst of this perverse and wicked generation, you are to be children of light, holding forth the word of life. You know, we bemoan the culture we're in right now. What we're in is nothing compared to Paul's culture when he wrote those words. He was living, he was imprisoned in Rome. The emperor, do you remember who the emperor was at that time? His name was Nero, the evil, most evil emperor in the history of the Roman Empire. It was Nero who would take Christians and set them on fire while they were alive and use them as live torches in his gardens. He was the epitome of evil and yet Paul, when he's writing this in Philippians, 19 times he talks about rejoicing in the Lord. And he said, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. You know why Paul could rejoice? Because he had one purpose in his life, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as quickly as possible with as many as possible. And he said, there's never been a better time to share the gospel than right now because the light shines brighter in the darkness. The darker the background, the brighter the light. Let me tell you something. If your goal in life, even as a Christian, is peace, prosperity, pleasure, the avoidance of pain, these are frightening times in which to live. But if your goal, like Paul, is to share Christ with as many people as possible, there has never been a better time to be a Christian than right now. You know that principle the darker the background, the brighter the light is something I had to learn the hard way a few years ago. My youngest daughter one time, she was a teenager at the time, <clears throat> came in and delivered some news to me, some good news. In fact, it was such great news. I said, Dorothy, I'm so excited for you. I'm going to take you to North Park Mall and buy you whatever you want. I guess enough years have passed, I can tell you what the decision is. She had made the decision to break up with the most worthless, useless excuse for a boyfriend you can possibly imagine. And when she told me she was breaking up with him, I said, hallelujah, God answers prayer. And we had really been praying for that. Amy and I had been. And so in this moment of ecstasy, I said, I'll buy you anything you want at the mall. Now, let me tell you what I meant by anything. 
I envision going to North Park and going to Forever 21. Have you ever been there before, Forever 21? And getting one of those $20 or $30 dresses they sell and calling it a day. That's not what Dorothy had in mind. We went to North Park and she led me right past Forever 21 into a jewelry store. The most expensive jewelry store at North Park. I began to get the shakes as I walked in. We went to the counter. I'm not making this up. We go to the counter and the salesman appears. He looks at my daughter and said, great to see you again. I knew I'd been had at that point. He said, would you like to look at the ring you were looking at yesterday? She said, yes. Now I was really getting nervous. He goes back to the back, comes out, has a little ring box, but before he opens the ring box, he takes a piece of black felt and places it on top of the plexiglass counter. And once he has that black felt laid out, he takes the ring, plops it right in the middle of that black felt, and I'm telling you, the contrast between that blackness and the brightness of the ring, that contrast was almost enough to blind me to the price of the ring, but not quite. <laughs> but you see, he was an effective salesman. He understood that principle, the darker the background, the brighter the light. Let me say it again. If your hope is in this world, if your goals are of this world, this is a terrible time to be alive. But if like Paul, your desire is to share Christ. There has never been a better time to be alive than right now because the darker this country becomes, and it's going to get darker, the darker this country becomes, the brighter the hope of the gospel shines. And that's what we're here for. Now, some of you are probably thinking, this is the most schizophrenic message I've ever heard. <laughs> I can't figure out what you're saying, Pastor, we're supposed to be doing. Are we supposed to be pushing back against evil? Or is our job to share the gospel with as many people as possible? What did Jesus say? Push back against evil, but if you're not comfortable doing that, <laughs> share the gospel with people. No, it's yes, yes to both. We need to be balanced as Christians. We need to learn to multitask. We can do more than one thing at a time. We're to be salt and light. But whatever you do, don't confuse the word balanced with passive. This is no time for God's people to be passive. I think about the words of William Watkins in his book, The New Absolutes. He says, it is time for Christians to reject the new tolerance and instead become a people marked by intolerance. Not an intolerance that unleashes hate upon people, but an intolerance that is unwilling to allow error to masquerade as truth any longer. An intolerance that is willing to stand up and call good, good, and evil, evil. May God give us courage to do just that. Thank you very much. And thank you, Hero Bunny Pounds, for doing that. Wow, wasn't that message unbelievable? Now, he did ask my permission to say that one statement that he disclaimered. <laughs> I was laughing. I said, 
yes, you can disclaimer, whatever you want to disclaimer. Uh, Christians Engaged allows our speakers to say whatever they feel the Lord told them to say. Um, it does ne- not necessarily reflect the views of Christians Engaged. But we appreciate people being honest, and we we know that they're coming with so many different points of view. Um, but I hope you got the balance between how we should be living as Christians in America. It's an incredible time. Please share this message with your family and friends. Please share this audio podcast, Conversations with Christians Engaged. People can search Christians Engaged in Spotify, Apple, wherever they get their pods. Um, and share our YouTube channel. Share our YouTube videos, share our Facebook uh, and social media channels. Support Christians Engage. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for believing in this mission. We just established the first 50 state 501c3 get out the vote system for the body of Christ that's ever been made in America. Please help us um, to get people into our pledge system to pray, vote, and engage and get them to vote in every election. That's what we're doing. And we're so thankful for Dr. Jeffers coming to our conference. Um, I hope you were blessed by that. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Christians Engaged. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't ever miss an episode. Also, please review it and share it with your friends. The easiest way to connect with us is to take the pledge on our website at christiansengaged.org. There you can sign up for our weekly prayer text, our bi-weekly emails, and our voting reminders. Christians Engaged is supported by individuals just like you. Would you consider helping us with a monthly donation or a one-time gift? You can do that quickly at christiansengaged.org. What does America need in this hour? America needs you. We are here to serve you and encourage you as you impact your communities. Let's be Christians engaged for the well-being of our nation.